good evening and welcome to The Midnight Owl. I'm your host, Tim. The Midnight Owl is a proud member of the Not After 30 podcast network. This week we're talking about the pagan summer camp for the rich and conservative, the Bohemian Grove. Who controls the British crown? Who keeps the metric system down? We do. We do. Who leaves Atlantis off the maps? Who keeps the Martians under wraps? We do. We do. Who holds back the electric car? Who makes Steve Gutenberg a star? We do. We do. Who robs cavefish of their sight? Who rigs every Oscar night? We do. We do. Season 6, episode 12 of The Simpsons is called Homer the Great. It's the Stonecutters episode, and it's one of my all-time favorites. The basic premise is that Homer joins a secret cabal running the world called the Stonecutters. The Stonecutters are the representation of the they whenever a secret society is described in any conspiracy theory. I wonder why conspiracy theorists think that we're supposed to innately know who they are at just the mention of them, but it could be any number of groups or people or a combination of those. Of course, by the end of the episode, Homer ruins everything and the society is shut down. The Bohemian Grove is made up of one of those groups that haunts the nightmares of the paranoid mind. The Illuminati, the New World Order, the ruling elite... Skull and Bones, or the all-encompassing and mysterious, they. It's actually kind of cool to look at some of the camps that make up the Bohemian Grove and their members and see the distinct lines of where they went to university, or who their parents were, and what conspiracy they're involved in. And, yep, they're all in the same group at the Grove. If you were in Skull and Bones, you might be a part of Owl's Nest, or if you're a bush, you're a part of the Hillbillies, and so on. I led with The Simpsons because the Bohemian Grove is cartoonish in the extreme. It's built to be that way in the very soul of the Grove. Essentially, this is a two-week summer camp, That is, by invitation only. It's portrayed as being for Republicans that are very rich. However, it's never stated that this is the only criteria to join. This annual encampment is a mix of bombastic settings and rituals that help these usually driven and walled-off men relax. As I got into the research for this episode, I thought about what if I was trying to sell the idea for this as a show or book. The ruling elite getting drunk, performing pagan rituals, setting policies for the rest of society at a two-week summer camp. Any executive would tell me that a mashup of meatballs and house of cards would never sell. Unless you can convince Bill Murray to sign off on being the head camp counselor again. Then again, I just found out that house of cards did do an episode where they parodied Bohemian Grove using a large raven. So what do I know? The best place for us to start is to take a look at what bohemianism is. I've heard the word all my life and just assumed it was a slang term for hippie. I'm going to paraphrase the Wikipedia entry for bohemianism quickly. Bohemianism is the practice of an unconventional lifestyle, generally in the company of like-minded people that have few permanent ties. 
It involves musical, artistic, literary, or spiritual pursuits. In this context, bohemians may or may not be wanderers, adventurers, or vagabonds. The term bohemianism came from France in the early 19th century when artists and creators began to concentrate in the lower-class Romani neighborhoods. The Romani are usually called gypsies and have magics unique amongst that culture. Bohemian was a common term for the Romani by the people of France because they mistakenly thought the Romani reached France in the 15th century via Bohemia. The Bohemia is the western part of modern Czech Republic. Bohemians were associated with unorthodox or anti-establishment political or social viewpoints, which were often expressed through free love, frugality, and in some cases, voluntary poverty. If I misunderstand this correctly, I might be a bohemian. I express voluntary poverty all of the time. Usually it's after I am somewhat inebriated and get on Amazon. A $70 ghost detector later sits on my shelf shaming my poor life choices. I've been trying to think of what we could name the owl symbol for our podcast. What do you think if we named our owl Bohemia? We're all offbeat people gathering together learning to demystify the things that go bump in the night. At its heart, the Bohemian Grove is about avoiding the real world and seclusion with like-minded people. If that doesn't describe me in the basement studio hanging out with my dog learning about magic, I'm not sure what else could. Anyone know if rich people are litigious? To the members of the Bohemian Grove, this is just a like-minded idea. I am not trying to steal your IP. Synonyms for bohemianism is nonconformist, unconventional person, beatnik, hippie, avant-gardist, free spirit, dropout, artistic person, informal freak. Quick side note, informal freak will be the name of my punk band. Antonyms. Conventional, conformist, conservative. I felt that it was an important point to go through because this doesn't sound like the archetype of conservative politicians were often presented with. I'm talking beyond those that believe in fiscal responsibility and growing socially but slowly. I'm talking about the blowhards, the loudest voices at the table. These big personalities gain their votes from mostly religious voters in their states. Good, clean morals and family values. So let's talk about what the Grove is. The Grove is a 2,700-acre campground in Northern California. It's a secured private campground located outside of the small town of Monte Rio. Monte Rio has a population of around 1,100 people. When I say this is a secured facility, I mean it's a woodland fortress with hidden cameras throughout the giant redwood trees. These trees are over a thousand years old, some exceeding 300 feet, 91 meters. The security cameras hidden around the campground have thermal and night vision settings. There's motion detectors and vibration-sensing alarm systems. There's a private security force year-round, reinforced by the local police. And when presidents are there, they have secret service agents. It has been reported that the year-round security force is ex-military. The canopy of the giant redwoods act as a shield for anyone trying to look in from above. I checked it out on Google Maps, and it's been blurred out from the satellite images. It wasn't always a secretive group of power brokers setting public policy. Its founding came in 1872 in San Francisco, 
The Bohemian Club was an invitation-only gentlemen's club made up of artists, writers, actors, and journalists. Their main interest was arts and culture, a facade that is maintained to this day. The Grove was first used in 1878 as a retreat for its members and a send-off to Henry Harry Edwards, a stage actor and founding member. He was relocating to New York to pursue his career, and a hundred members or so gathered in the Redwoods to see him off. The night was an amazing time where they got super drunk, partied, and performed for one another. It was such a great time that they decided to continue the tradition for the years to come, renting the same plot of land. They were artists, and none of them were affluent, yet they managed to buy the land they had been renting. Either by chance or divine circumstance, a rich businessman decided to come out one year. He had a great time and became the patron of the Bohemian Club and its getaway, inviting his friends to the club. In this grove, a brotherhood was growing naturally. A reprieve from the pressures of the world that asks so much of us. Here, for two weeks, you cannot be responsible for your identity. I don't mean so far as eating babies and vile acts. More along the lines of just not having to be proper. If you want to pee on a tree or not speak in directly politically correct terms, you're among like-minded friends. No matter what color your collar is, everyone needs these days off. Our freedom. It's wild how often the talk of freedom happens around any workplace. No matter how much you like your job. Monday you talked about what you did last weekend. Tuesday you're already talking about what you're doing next weekend. As the membership grew, they wanted to protect the intent of what the Grove meant to them, so they purchased more of the land. But ultimately, a location is meaningless. It's the memories and energy you allow to permeate it to make it special. In my early 20s, I made friends with a group of people renting a slummy student house. It's a time I'll look back on with fond memories. When we mention this place, it's almost in a hush whisper. It's a golden time. This is a place where a man took off his diaper during a costume keg party to pee on the floor. When we were so broke, the best entertainment we could have was leaving the windows open and the lights off to hear the neighbors scream at each other. I don't have the context for what was said, but one that'll always stand out to me is someone screaming at another person, You spread it like jelly! I don't know what it means, but it's hilarious. There was a hidden place. A secret that was shared amongst the dilapidated, interconnected houses slash apartments. It was called Texas. Texas was an invitation-only chill room. Room is kind of overstating what it was. Texas was a glorified broom closet. We would go in and smoke and listen to music and paint the walls while sitting on cushions on the floor. We would talk for hours. I'm not really sure what about. I think the events of Texas are probably connected. And... A and K, if you're listening, thank you for bringing me in. I hope life finds you ladies well. Thank you for letting me be a part of those memories. And yes, I was attacked by a bat and I did not make that up. Luckily, Texas had its magnificent run, and the reins were handed off to another group of kids. It lives on in our memories. I like to think of it as maintaining its luster and new company. Maybe they have their own rituals and rules. Texas was only special because of the people and timing. If we had all met at the right time, there would have been another iteration of Texas somewhere else. 
The location, the decor, didn't matter. It was the company. That's what the Bohemians of the Grove discovered. They had their space, and they made it special. To ensure the proper respect for this vacation, they instituted a ceremony. That ceremony is called the Cremation of Care. Held on the first night of the two-week vacation, it was originally a play that was held where Care was killed by the hero of the play each year in different forms. People ended up complaining uh, because the quality would go up and down each year depending on who was writing. So it evolved into an elaborate stage show that we know today. The cremation of care ceremony takes place in the center of the grove at a man-made lake. On one side, the crowd gathers clad in red robes. On the other, an enormous 40-foot owl sits on the large stage. The owl is concrete, with hidden speakers that booms out of voice during the elaborate stage show slash ritual. The Bohemian Grove mascot has always been an owl, which symbolizes wisdom. The statue was designed by a sculptor and two-time club president, Haig Patigan. It was constructed in the late 1920s. Since 1929, the Owl Shrine has served as the backdrop of the yearly cremation of care ceremony. I cannot confirm if the voice has been updated, but for decades, the voice was reported to be that of news anchor Walter Cronkite, the same man that reported the moon landing, the legitimacy of which is contested by the Tinfoil Legion the world over. I watched the Alex Jones documentary on this, and this tinny voice booms out and gives it a really 1970s sci-fi vibe that will send shivers up your spine. Speaking of the Alex Jones documentary, there was a really quick clip of them at the dining area, and there was khakis as far as the eye could see. It looked like a manager's convention for Blockbuster. If you're too young to know that reference, I'm grateful for you listening, but your youth angers me, and it scares me. As for the ceremony itself, a human effigy is carried on horse-drawn carriage, which is done up to look like an old-timey hearse to the edge of the lake where it is loaded onto a boat and ferried across the water by a ferryman in robes and a skull mask to the owl, his followers, and the large fire. The high priest receives the effigy on a massive stage below the owl. The human is shaped a lot like a child and shrouded from sight. It represents the dull care that plagues humanity and these men during their everyday life. By burning dull care, they're releasing themselves from everyday responsibility. As the body burns, terrible screams wail out over the lake. The secrecy and privacy of this act is what makes those that are anxious about the grove suspect that it may have actually be a ritual sacrifice, or at one point a sacrifice was committed and this voice was recorded. At the end of this episode, I'll record the ceremonial script. It's long enough I will not subject you to it here and now. Feel free to skip. As it ends and Dulcare is defeated, fireworks ring out over the crowd. The cremation of care has been around for over a hundred years. If you go back to the early days, there are some terrifying photos associated with the ceremony, one of which is with a really human-looking mannequin awaiting a public lynching, or a child tied to a table. The child tied to the table does not look like any kind of mannequin I've ever seen. It's... Very dark and very creepy. That brings us to the motto 
of the Bohemian Grove. Weaving spiders come not here. It means that outside business dealings, outside concerns, are to be left outside the grove. Even networking is forbidden. There was one rumor I read that said if you were to even bring your cell phone to the grove, you could have your membership suspended for two years. The quote was taken from the Shakespearean play, Midsummer Night's Dream. The play is about four interconnected stories taking place in the forest, which is the realm of the fairies, celebrating the marriage of Duke Theseus of Athens and the Amazonian queen Hippolyta. The play is full of love being foiled by ancient law and diabolical plots from those in power using lesser folk to do their bidding. Having never read A Midsummer's Night Dream because I'm new to trying to be cultured, I was surprised to see a reference to an owl in the same text as the Weaving Spiders quote. The clamorous owl that nightly hoots and wanders. There's consistency in owl symbolism. It's an observer. Not afraid to let its presence known, but not often seen. Wise and curious. There's about 2,500 members of the Grove. The actual number of people there is larger with the staff and guests, but the membership is usually reported around 2,500. Each member has to pay $25,000 as an initiation fee. That plus yearly dues. If my math is correct, that puts the bankroll behind the Grove at $62,500,000 for the initiation fees alone. And that only includes the 2,500 members, not the turnover with age, that would have taken place over the 130 plus years the Grove has been active. That in the hands of elite businessmen, intelligently investing, would undoubtedly have grown to an even more substantial number. The land that Bohemian Grove sits on is estimated to be worth $13 million. As of 2007, there were reported to be around 118 camps. Each camp has a captain whose job include the upkeep of the area and organizing the artistic members. Underneath the captain is the valet. Akin to a cruise director or resort director, they're responsible for organizing activities and making sure the guests are looked after and happy. These roles are generally filled by local teens and college students. The Grove employs many of the local students with taking care of the cars, food, and any general labor. In 1978, there was a lawsuit against the Grove, and they were forced to start hiring female employees. Although the rule still stands that all female employees are generally working in the dining areas or at the front, and all female guests and employees must be off the premises by 10.30 p.m., This is what we know about the layout of the campground. There's the Grove Stage. It's an amphitheater with seating for about 2,000 people, used primarily for the Grove play production. It also has the second largest outdoor pipe organ in the world. Field Circle. Uh, Another bowl-shaped amphitheater used for the uh, mid-encampment. In spring... uh, in spring, a festival called Lojinx, which is a musical comedy, is performed. And uh, in early June, a variety show is held. Campfire Circle has a campfire pit in the center of the circle, surrounded by carved redwood log benches. Uh, used for smaller performances, it's more of an intimate setting. Museum Stage, a semi-outdoor venue with a covered stage for lectures and small ensemble performances. Dining Circle, 
There's seating there for about 1,500 diners simultaneously. Designed by Bernard Maybeck in 1903 and completed in 1904, it sits on a bluff above the Russian River. It's a multi-purpose dining, drinking, and entertainment building. It's rumored to be the site of the Manhattan Project planning meeting held in 1942. The Manhattan Project was a research and development undertaking during World War II that produced the first nuclear weapons. The Owl Shrine and the Lake The Owl Shrine sits in front of an artificial lake in the interior of the Grove, and it's used for the noontime concerts. It's also the venue for the cremation of care we talked about. Also, it's the location of the lakeside talks. These informal talks are often on public policy and have been given over the years by entertainers, professors, astronauts, business leaders, cabinet officers, CIA directors, future and former presidents. This is where a lot of people start to get uncomfortable with the Bohemian Grove. Uh, just quickly, some really notable uh, members, Colin Powell, Ronald Reagan, George Bush Jr. and Sr., Theodore Roosevelt, Herbert Hoover, Richard Nixon. Nixon was caught on the Watergate tapes talking about the Grove. He used some seriously bigoted references towards it and the crowd that attends. He suggested he wouldn't even shake the hands of the San Francisco people that attended because they might be a homosexual. But obviously Nixon had to use it to network to gain the influence to become president. He had been quoted as saying in his memoir that his lakeside speech in 1967 paved his way to the presidency. In fact, every Republican president since 1923 has been a member of the Grove. That is except for President Trump. Some of his supporters see this as a slight against their leader. Others feel that it justifies their belief in him since they were voting for someone they see as an outsider to the schemes and influence of the elite. The list goes on and on. Actors, writers, musicians. I couldn't confirm it, but there was an article that said the Beach Boys were known to perform there. There's one name that leapt right off the pages to me. That name was Jimmy Buffett. I started my mind down a wonderfully dark tangent. Is Mr. Buffett's followers the Parrot Heads? Some kind of occult groupies indoctrinated into being the ground force of the Grove? Probably not. But if there's a small chance, we can't afford to rule it out. What song do you think best represents Mr. Buffett's association to the Grove? What hidden meaning could there be to Son of a Son of a Sailor? Maybe Boat Drinks is a call to arms against our oppressors. I don't know, but I got my eyes on you, Jimmy Buffett. As the role of the artists changed from entertaining each other to entertaining the more high-powered members and guests, the Grovers felt it important to maintain the artistic heritage, and it was decided to hold a play at the end of the week in the Grove. I never got to go to summer camp, but from the movies and stories I've heard or seen, it sounds like this is the most stereotypical ending to any summer camp other than the big game or relay race against the rich kids. I guess they are the rich kids, but how awesome would it be if someone started a hippie summer camp next door where they would have a big competition at the end of the camp, like a big relay race or baseball game? 
dance off? I'm writing all this down and I'm having this really cringy thought come back to me about a school trip between grade eight and grade nine that I went on. It was a week-long camping trip with cabins and canoes, the whole nine yards. This is where I may or may not have tried to do stand-up in front of the entire cafeteria. I I can't remember if it was invited or I just thought it was a really good idea. Uh, This performance consisted of me impersonating an old lady. I have to say that I am profoundly grateful to the members of my class that witnessed this tragedy happen in front of them. And they didn't make fun of me. They didn't bully me afterwards. I just got up there and I bombed. I think it's distinctly possible I did so bad, even children looked onto what was happening and thought, God, he's had enough. All right, time to suppress that memory back deep down inside and never speak of it again. The end of summer camp play has been reported to cost over $100,000. Once that I read said hundreds of thousands of dollars, but I don't know about that. There's often appearances by world-famous actors and musicians. This play may only be ever performed once and never again. With the membership of the Bohemian Grove being male, someone has to fill the female roles. So all female parts are performed by men in drag. Again, not the stereotype of the Republican leadership we are shown. I wonder who over the years may have gotten in drag to the delight of their fellow members. I don't know. Do you think Henry Kissinger has the legs for it? There's little more than accusations about the actual occult and evil nature of the Bohemian Grove. Around the early 1900s, an owl was hidden into the $1 bill, and it's said to be honoring the Bohemian Grove and the Masons. From those that speculate the Illuminati have a foothold in the grove, they say that owls can see in the dark. They can see what we cannot see. Likewise, members of the Illuminati are privileged to information that is hidden from the general public. That directly links to the Lakeside Talks. These talks are what set policy or reinforce attitudes for the Republican Party as a whole. They're held during the day so any guest or member can attend. It's scary to think about because after a talk, if there was an ulterior motive, the framework for an end goal can be set. Maybe we release some propaganda shifting public opinion here, maybe a subtle law there, all creeping towards an end goal. The club's patron saint is John Nepomuk. Legend says uh, he was killed by a bohemian monarch rather than disclose confessional secrets of the queen. There's even a large wooden carving of St. John in cleric robes with his index finger over his lips that stands at the shore of the lake. It symbolizes the secrecy kept by the grove's attendees. Rumors for years have come out that prostitutes are brought in after the 10.30 curfew for women at the Grove. But that only ever comes from conspiracy theorists, and no evidence has been provided to back it up. Even many of the conspiracy theorists said that they don't have any proof, and they don't necessarily believe it. But, I mean, it makes sense. It's a a logical leap, 
rich, drunk men and they're partying. You could see it happening, but it's never been substantiated. One consistent accusation is worship of Molech, the owl god. An ancient Canaanite god that was often depicted as a manatar. Owl symbolism is closely tied with wisdom, but with the addition of fake human sacrifice, it's easy to see. Molech was a deity that required sacrifices, suggesting that effigy or human disguised as an effigy is being burned in honor of Molech can bring on protection to these men and good fortune to their business holdings. It seems to me the pathway to secret societies begins and ends at the Bohemian Grove. You visit when you're a child, and then when you go to school, you go to the right school, beside other children of Grovers. When you make it to the right university, you become a Skull and Bones member. You continue to rub elbows with other kids of Grovers and other various secret societies. Or even just the elite that have control of the system. When you get out into the world, you're already deeply on the path of the ruling elite. You're well known. You have money. A career where you will continue to make money. Knowledge about the governmental and business systems and how they work. So all you have to do is become a guest again, then a full member of the Grove, to maintain the friendships that will help protect you and your privileged life. Like, I, I feel like I might be jealous. Is there a lower middle class secret society I can join? I would suggest you check out the Alex Jones documentary on YouTube. It was produced in July of 2000. Just type in Bohemian Grove Alex Jones. But before you do that, if you haven't ever heard of Alex Jones or Infowars before, do some of your own research up front. I think it's fair to say he's a far-right, angry conspiracy theorist. He's made some pretty terrible claims over the, uh, the past. He's been proven wrong a few times, but this, this documentary is pretty cool to see. Like, but uh, he did trespass to get it, so it is technically somewhat illegal, I think. But uh, yeah, make up your own mind and decide for yourself. I look at the Bohemian Grove and can't help but feel that this isn't any different than restaurants I can't afford, golf clubs I wouldn't be invited to, and any other of a thousand things that would be in the world of the rich and aren't meant for me. There's no bars or rules saying that I can't come in. I just can't afford the entrance fee. I get that. They can charge a value for their product because they determine its worth. I can't get mad because I can't afford it. Being lower middle class, shout out to my paycheck to paycheck people, I've learned the value of a dollar and that oftentimes there are many doors closed to me. That if I want something like a car, a house, decent phone, I'm going to be paying for it for a long time and sacrificing other things to have it. I, I say all that because when you're out on the golf course, when you're in those restaurants, when you're making those connections... You have money, you will help other people get money, and they will help you get money. I can't make it past that barrier to get there to get that help. I guess it's on me to make that initial few million dollars, and then I can have the, the aid. The dangerous thing about the Bohemian Grove is that it's so secret. 
that it's such an open concentration of wealth and influence that you can't help but wonder what kind of group think is happening. When your ideals are reinforced by other people without outside influence, it's easy to spiral out into having a conviction without the research to come up with a fully formed platform. It's the way you feel, not what you know. These rich men will go home to their rich neighborhoods, talk with their rich friends and business partners. The ripples of their beliefs may translate into votes or other signs of support. The Grovers will have words with men and women that need their money to run for office. And with whispers and gentle touches, however unintentional, guide one of the most powerful nations in the world on policy. Here's an important thing to stop and think about before we leave this idea. Am I uncomfortable with this because they are rich? Because they're exclusively male? Because they are conservative? I understand being a dude. But rich and right-wing, I am not. If there was a large liberal campground where they work towards relaxing and educating each other on possible public policy, would I be as apprehensive about that? At least on paper and in speeches, they would fall closer in line with my political and social views. I feel confident saying, no, that would still scare the ever-loving heck out of me. I have enough respect for my conservative friends that I don't believe I would distrust an organization based on what they, on what name they called themselves when it came time to cast a ballot. It all comes back to secrecy and a concentration of wealth and power. And there's many things you can take issue with with the Bohemian Grove. Every year, protesters are outside the gates. Some believe they're trying to harvest the ancient redwoods or doing damage to the forest. I couldn't find a better place to shoehorn this fun fact in here, so here it goes. In the dining area, they hollowed out one of the trees to make a washroom. Keep in mind these redwoods are massive, so you can walk right in. It has full plumbing. I mean, if there's going to ever be a bridge between us and the 1%, this just might be it. Take a deep breath. Look honestly in the mirror. If you had the money to hollow out a thousand-year-old tree that was over 90 meters tall for a shitter at your campground, you would definitely do it. May the goddess bless their crazy. I think what really irks me or really gets under my skin is that if they're pagan or they feel comfortable with rituals, then carry that with you. You can't bury it when camp's done and go back to your real world to pick up your public persona. When you're saying to vote for you based on your faith then go to the grove and put on robes and make a mock sacrifice to your owl deity you're being duplicitous you're misleading the people and starting out with a machination it's as if these political or business leaders are saying i meet your perception of what you think a good leader is please vote for me you the people are voting for my character not for my resume i mean these people, when in office, have tried to ban books, music, video games, comic books, and the Ouija board. Because they lead to the devil. I'm not railing against the Grove having pagan rituals. For me, I think the more rich and politically powerful people we have in the corner of keeping the earth sustainable, celebrating the beauty of nature, the better chance we have to keep it that way. 
if taking time from ruling the world and becoming a little more at peace can avoid missiles flying at rival nations, then, well, bud, that just gains a major thumbs up from me. It's just that you should admit it. Be an example. Come out and have that conversation that it's merely a psychological joke. I know when it's time to relax because we had a bonfire with a giant owl blasting Walter Cronkite's voice burning a human effigy. I wouldn't know how to start a two-week-long binge drink without it. Or maybe you are a true believer and you don't allow your faith to get tangled up in your policy. If a politician was that honest, I think they would definitely have my attention. Just don't deceive people. If you're right for the job of leading humanity, even on a municipal level, show your real self. I, I say all this, and I, I feel if you step into public office, it still holds true, but take it with a grain of salt. You getting into public office is a choice you make for yourself. I don't take pity on accepting a higher bar for your moral behavior, but I get creating a caricature or character of yourself if you're trying to follow a creative pursuit or even in the regular workplace. I sure as hell am not the man I'm at home when I'm in the workplace. I'm the best version of myself. It's part of the give and take between you and your employer. I receive a paycheck. They get my time, attention, energy, and a level of social pleasantness. But we both check our politics at the door. Humanity is made up of all kinds of crazy. If we can get honest politicians, at least difficult conversations will be us trying to gain real answers. Not pandering to voter bases so that those in power can keep their jobs and paychecks. So they can make good on campaign promises to those that funded their initial run for office in the first place. If there is honesty, it will at least be a little easier to swallow when they start to point their fingers at other groups and condemn them as diabolical. If it's not fear-mongering for later benefit, then they're either informed about some danger that we don't know about, or alarmist and not fit for office. I'm going to leave you with this thought. I think I want my own summer camp. An invitation-only community that every year I get to meet up with a community of like-minded individuals for two weeks. A time when I know it's okay to blow off steam, hang out with my contemporaries, and just relax. We can share ideas and entertainment and take a break from the world so that I can come back and enjoy the rest of the year. If I could start a campground or just on a lake with a series of cottages for us, I would do it in a heartbeat. What would you want to see at a summer camp? What kind of ritual would you hold? What would be the name of this group? Do we have a motto? Email me your ideas at beardedandboard at gmail.com. Tag me on Instagram at the Midnight Owl Podcast. Or reach out to the Not After 30 Podcast Facebook page. Start a thread and I'll jump in. This summer camp idea would be the second meeting of this group that I'm thinking about. Since we already have a winter solstice party in early December called Friendsmas. It's a pan-religious event where everyone gathers and we share a large meal, trade presents and stories about our year and where we find ourselves in our life's journey. 
we enjoy the company of our friends and their children. Then, as in the Bohemian Grove, nine o'clock hits, and the young are escorted out of the party. Friendsmas is open to anyone over the age of 19. With the youth gone, it's time for the annual beer pong game to commence. It's only been two years of this celebration, but I love it so much, I will continue to promote, push, and conjole Friendsmas into an annual event for decades to come. I think that it's time for a shout-out. Last year, I believe the champions were Samaya and Kathy, the experts I brought on in the bonus episode last week. Their Instagram is caffeinated and hungry. These titans of the table destroyed their opponents. It was difficult to watch, in fact. From such a wicked drubbing, they handed out. I think in the final round, there was only one cup cranked from their side of the table. Impressive, ladies. I hope that this year you can maintain your championship. The Midnight Owl is a part of the Not After 30 podcast network. We offer four main shows and a ton of great content on one feed. The Not After 30 podcast is a network of dreamers, podcasters who believe in passion over paycheck. Not After 30 podcast is a lifestyle podcast that's the flagship show of our network. The Awkward Throat Clear with Aaron Chalupa. Not After 30 Sports. Before 30 Podcast. Growing Up Dufresne. Thank you, listeners. And don't forget the owl at the moon. Hoot, hoot. Some kind of occult groupies indoctrinated into being the ground force of the grove? Probably not. But why else are they listening to him? His music is awful. The owl is in his leafy temple. Let all within the grove be reverent before him. Lift up your heads, O ye trees, and be lifted up, ye everlasting spires. For behold, here is Bohemia's shrine, and holy are the pillars of his house. Weaving spiders come not here. Hail, Bohemians, with the ripple of waters, the song of birds, such music as inspires the sinking soul. Do we invite you into midsummer's joy? The sky above is blue and sown with stars. The forest floor is heaped with fragrant grit. The evening's cool kiss is yours. The campfires glow. The birth of rosy-fingered dawn. For behold, here is Bohemia's shrine, and holy are the pillars of his house. Shake off your sorrows with the city's dust and cast to the winds the cares of life. But memories bring back the well-loved names of gallant friends who knew and loved this grove. Dear boom, companions of a long ago, I let them join us in this ritual, and not a piece be empty in our midst, all of these battles to hold. In this gray autumn of the world, or in the springtime of your heart, attend our tale, gather you forest folk, and cast your spells over these mortals, touch their world-blind eyes with carry-on. 
open their eyes to fancy. Follow the memories of yesterday and seal the gates of sorrow. It is a dream, and yet not all a dream. Dull care in all his works harbored it. As vanished Babylon and goodly Tyre, so shall they also vanish. But the wilding rose blows on the broken battlements of Tyre, and the moss rends the stones of Babylon. For beauty is eternal, and we bow to beauty everlasting. For lasting happiness we trust our eyes to one alone. And she surrounds you now, great nature refuge of the weary heart, and only balm to breast that have been bruised. She hath cool hands for every fevered brow, and gentlest silence for the troubled soul. Her counsels are most wise. She healeth well. Having such ministries as calm and sleep, she is ever faithful. Other friends may fail, but seek ye her in any quiet place. Smiling, she will rise and give you her kiss. So must ye come as children, little children that believe do not ever doubt her beauty or her faith, nor deem her tenderness can change or die. Bohemians and priests, the desperate call of heavy hearts is answered. By the power of your fellowship, dull care is slain. His body has been brought yonder to our funeral pyre. To the joyous singing of the funeral march. Our funeral pyre awaits the corpse of care. O thou, thus friend, across the shadowy tide, in all the ancient majesty of death, dull care, ardent enemy of beauty, not for thee the forgiveness or the restful grave. Fire shall have its will of thee, and the winds will make merry with the dust. Bring fire. Fools, 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 when will ye learn? That me ye cannot slay. After ye, year after year ye burn me in this grove, lifting your puny shouts of triumph to the stars. When again you turn your faces to the marketplace, do you not find me waiting as of old? Fools, fools, fools to dream you conquer me. Say thou mocking spirit, it is not all a dream. We know thou waiting for us. When this out-sylvan holiday has ended, we shall meet thee and fight thee as of old, and some of us prevail against thee, and some thou shalt destroy. This too we know, year after year, within this happy grove, our fellowship bans thee for a space. Thy malevolence, which could pursue us here, has lost its power under these friendly trees. So shall we burn thee once again this night, and, with the flames that eat thine effigy, we shall read the sign Midsummer sets us free. Ye shall burn me once again, not with these flames, which hither ye have brought from regions where I reign. Ye fools and priests, I spit upon your fire. O owl, prince of all mortal wisdom, owl of Bohemia, we beseech thee, grant us thy counsel. No fire, no fire, no fire. Let it be in the world where care is nourished on the hates of men, and drive him from this grove. One flame alone must light this fire. One flame alone must light this fire, a pure eternal flame. At last within the lamp 
of fellowship upon the altar of Bohemia. O great owl of Bohemia, we thank thee for thy adjuration. Begone, detested care, begone. Once more we banish thee. Begone, dull care. File sh- fire should have its will of thee. Begone, dull care. And all the winds make merry with thy dust. Hail fellowship, eternal flame. Once again, midsummer sets us free. Quick side note. Mm-hmm. Informal Freak will be the name of my punk band. And you hear Obi in the background. Antonyms. Conventional. Conformist. Conservative. Do I have to lock you up in the room, dude? Enough. Go on. Legend says he was killed by a bohemian monarch. Monarch.